I was gonna move this over anyway, so I'm out of the way. coming um so it's about 12 years ago that carl and i were in india about this time and we were there over the easter break and um i got to share a few times and one of the things i shared on was about the exclusivity of the gospel you know in india uh, they believe in lots and lots of gods I, I don't know that God's, God's, God's calling right now. He's, he's changing the program on me. <laughs> yeah. So one, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I did share about at one point, was uh, the exclusivity of the gospel, that there, there is one God. So that's, that's what I wanted to talk about. Let me get my slides going here. What this first one is. If this works, that's not quite what I was looking for. Hold on. I'm not. Just hold on a minute. This is not doing what I'm wanting it to do, which is normal for computers. So you are seeing the whole thing, but I'm not seeing something here. Hold on. It's not doing what it was doing yesterday. So you are seeing the full screen there. Well, I'll make it work. So what this is, is... Um, this is a... Uh, wait a minute, this is not... Hold on, I'm going to try again. Just give me a break here. Give me a second here. I'm going to start over... There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. Anyway, so this is a program one of the churches uh, we attended and chaired at. And as you can see, a little bit of English here, Jesus the Hope. And um, it's got brother or sister, Mrs. Carla Dennis with a K and uh, brother Richard Dennis. So this, it, what was interesting was I was thinking about sharing on this topic and I just happened to find this program in the Bible that one of the, uh, one of the Bibles I was looking at. So that, that was kind of a confirmation for me that this is something I was supposed to share. But anyway, interesting. So I thought about different topics to talk on. One was, how can there be darkness when God is light and is omnipresent? The shadow knows. How many of y'all know what the shadow knows? You know that? No, that's an old, old radio show. Well, I, I decided not to do that. How God chooses who to save, inquiring minds want to know. Uh, I ruled that one out. That one, I, I don't know if anyone can <laughs> attempt to answer that. 
Why did Carl agree to marry Richard? Unsolved mysteries. That was, that was another one. So I, uh, I ruled that out. And so I decided, decided on this. Exclusive, exclusive, one God, truth or consequences. So that's what I'll be sharing about. And I don't know how long this is going to take because I haven't shared before, so we'll see. This could be a short sharing time or a longer one. I don't know. We'll see. I don't think it'll be longer. So the question I have is, can you believe the Bible and believe other religions are true? You know, you, you hear on the media or just different places where, you know, they think, you know, Christians are um, somewhat uh, conceited, or I'm not sure what the right word is, but because uh, many Christians, you know, you know, Christianity is the only way. And if you don't, if you're not a Christian, then, you know, other faiths are, are false. Uh, for most Christians, devout Christians, they believe that the answer is no. Now, this can seem like this is a fairly basic tenet of Christianity. For our fellowship, most of us, I think, are pretty solid Christians. But I still think it's a good good topic to discuss because there are many Christians that believe that other religions are just as true, or just as valid as the Bible. So Christianity is exclusive, meaning uh, it you know if you're a, if you believe that Jesus Christ came to earth, died, and rose again, and you believe that what the Bible teaches, then it pretty much has to be exclusive, which I'll go into that. Christianity discriminates. So, meaning it discriminates between, obviously, those who believe and those who don't believe. Those who put their faith in God and those that don't. Uh, Matthew twenty-five thirty-two says, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. So there, you know, God does discriminate. He doesn't discriminate in terms of who can be saved. I want to be clear on that, obviously. You know, male and female, you know, ethnic race, whatever. No discrimination there. But he discriminates between those that follow him and trust with their faith in him and those that don't. Christianity is biased, basically. Same kind of thought. Christianity judges people, judges those who follow him and those who don't. And again, I'll have some examples of that. Christianity divides people. Luke fifteen, uh, Luke twelve fifty one through fifty three, Jesus is saying, "Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided: father against son, and son against father; mother against daughter, and daughter against mother." Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I think we see a lot of that today. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, and it's not to say that Christianity doesn't have good, but I'm just trying to show the contrast. Certainly Christianity brings unity among those that follow Christ and joy and peace and hope. But it does also bring division between those that follow God and those that don't. Christianity denies all religions and calls them false, lies, made of wood and clay. They're not real. But what about Islam? Islam's false from a Christian standpoint. Hinduism is false. Chris, you know, talked about believing all these different gods. Mormonism is false. Believe that people can become gods. Yes. Sorry to bring this up, but I feel like I should inject this. Um, simply because Christianity is exclusive in the sense of Jesus Christ is our Savior, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not 
truth in other religions. But that truth has to line up with what scripture says. So I can't fully say that everything in Islam is false. I can say you can't get saved mm-hmm. through their salvational message. Yep. But that doesn't mean that they don't have some truth in their... Yeah, and I'm not and saying that. I think that. you have to state that because if you don't, then you are kind of boxing yourself in a corner mm-hmm. if you say, look, all other religions are false. You're saying nothing that they have is true, and that's not. What no, no, I'm not saying that. I agree. I mean, but, but you know, actually, I, I, that occurred to me. I didn't include that in here. But the thing is, Satan uses bits of truth to deceive true. people. I mean, that goes go back to Genesis, right? I mean, you know, Satan says, you know, God says you can't eat from this fruit of this tree. Um, you know, he. He uses it, but then he twists it, right. and that's that's the issue with with all the uh, all the other religions. Is yes, there's some tr- there may be some truth in them, but there's also uh, lies or falsehood. Mm-hmm. So, good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Sure. Buddhism, in general, <laughs> is false. You can't, like you said, it's not a path to heaven. It's not a path to know God. Scientology. Uh, I've been watching, there have been some series on, I think it was Discovery Channel had uh, some, uh, several series on Scientology and also just watched a video, I think it was on Netflix on Scientology, I don't know how many of you know anything about it. It's amazing um, the falsehood and the, and, and the twist and the, the, the lies that, that, if you want to call it religion, uh, uh, puts on people and how people can be so deceived, people that you would consider, you know, fairly intellectual or just, you know, normal people, but they get caught up in this stuff and they get manipulated. Anyway, it's just something I've been uh, seeing a lot about. But uh, anyway, so, you know, they have, again, they have some truth, they get you in, but then there's deception or lies that follow often. Wicca, Jehovah's Witness, humanism, atheism, uh, they are all fake news. <laughs> if you keep up with the news, I had to bring that in. Fake news. They're not. They have uh, may have some sense of truth to them, but they're they're really ultimately they they do not provide a pathway for salvation into heaven. So the Bible, really, if you look at it and you look at it as a whole, it contradicts really every other belief system in some way or another. Um, so logic, if you read the Bible, logic really dictates that from a biblical record at face value, it cannot be true at the same time other religions are true. There are contradictions. You cannot believe the Bible and also accept other non-Christian belief systems as being true at the same time. That's kind of saying the same thing. Again, I'm just kind of repeating in different words. If you believe the Bible, you must reject every other belief system as false. To believe Christian teaching is true and other religions are equally true, you must believe in a Christian God who's a liar and who is a horrible father creator. And I'll explain some of that. But um, to believe other religions are true, just as true as Christianity is to believe the moral teaching of the Bible and to reject, reject the spiritual aspects of the Bible. I think what some people who, who say they're Christians, but yet they say these other beliefs are true, they're not, I don't think they take, I don't see how they can take what's in the Bible as, you know, in general, literal truth. In other words, I, I don't see how someone could really say that and know the Bible, believe 
the stories, the history in the Bible, believe in the death and actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't see how people can actually believe those things and yet believe that there are other ways to heaven. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll explain a few of those using some scriptures. To accept other religions as having the same legitimacy as Christianity is to pick and choose those parts of the Bible you like throughout the rest and create your own religion, which again is what a lot of people do. You'll hear some of these um, people that are critical of the Bible or critique the Bible, say, well, this is probably true, this is false. And, and, and you know, if you do that, you're really, assuming you're even taking Christianity as a faith, you're really creating your own religion, which is why we really need to take the whole the Bible as a whole. So, the scripture. In the beginning, God fill in the blank. Final answer. The question, who created the world? Answer, God. Which God? The God of the Bible. Could the God of the Bible have created the world and also another God created the world and the Bible still be true? No. So if you look at Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is the God of the Bible we're talking about. Throughout the Bible, there are references. So there's just a reference to the one God. So the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ created the heavens and the earth. And then in John, it says, in the beginning was the Word. So again, we're talking about in the beginning. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He, the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, most of you are familiar with the scripture, obviously the word, the Logos, is referring to Jesus Christ. He's the word of God. What he spoke, God gave him the words to speak, God the Father. And, um, and it was through Jesus, through him, through the word, that the world was created. So, and it says, all things, not anything was made that was made. So, there's no other gods involved in the creation of the world. It's the God of the Bible. If you believe this, you've got to believe there's one God, the God of the Bible created. No other God had anything to do with it. Jesus Christ, through the Word, created the world. So Scripture makes clear that the God of the Bible created the world through Jesus, the Son of God. That's exclusive. No allowance is made for any other God to have created the world. He created all things. Nothing was made without Him. Any religion that claims otherwise contradicts the Bible. Both cannot be true. <coughs> okay, now I'm going to talk about one of my favorite scripture stories. Elijah versus Baal. Really God versus Baal, but I, I prefer to put Elijah versus Baal. And the winner is. So 1 Kings 18 through 20 tells a story of Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal to prove that their God was real and had power to answer their requests. So, um, now before I do that, um, can someone give me a Bible? <laughs> I? 
I was going to do it on the screen, but uh, I, I need to, and I need a, I need a couple volunteers. Um, what, what are we, what did we use? Mary's, oh, Mary's not here. The, what was the word bill we used? Uh, volun, voluntold, voluntold, voluntold. So Greg, I need you to volunteer. It's, it's, it, it, I'm giving you a very simple part. <laughs> And uh, Cecil, come on up here. Come on, just just stand right here in front of me. So I'm going to read read. This is First uh, Kings eighteen twenty through forty. I claim to be Elijah, real quick. <laughs> yeah, Greg Greg's got to be Elijah. He's got to be. He he. I I. You, you couldn't be Baal. Uh, not Baal, but uh, prophets of Baal. So, so he's. This is 450. Greg, you need to come up here. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm doing this so you'll never invite me to do this again. <laughs> <Here> again. <laughs> okay, so you guys are going to have to act out the parts of the prophets in the story. And I'll, I'll I'll tell you I'll describe what you need to do as we do this. Greg, you you've got the easy part. So. <laughs> he's he's got the art, he's got the real. You got to put on a show here, buddy. I've got a pour water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so am I going to be reading? No, I'm I'm going to read. So I'll read, and then I'll I'll, I'll provide the uh, I'll be the director of this. Okay. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go? Now, this is ESV. It says limping. I prefer the NASB, which says leaping. So we're going to do the leaping. You'll have to. You'll have to. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you can do the limping. I don't know. I, I can't. I don't know why I would be limping. But anyway. Um, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And, and the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets, right there, Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut in pieces and lay it on the wood. But no, put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Well spoken. Okay, well, well I, that's good. I wasn't going to have you do that, but anyway. Okay. Then Eli- and you don't have to do this yet, Greg. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. And call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. Okay, so here we go. So they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, and saying, O Baal, answer us. All right. Let's do it. Get, get to work. O Baal, answer us. Oh, okay. All right. No bail answer us. All right. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they'd made. And, and it keep, now keep limping. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for if he is God, 
he is either musing or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud. Bill. Oh, Bill. Okay. And cut them and cut themselves, you can just pretend, and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances, and the blood gushed out upon them. Okay, good enough, thank you. But you gotta stay up there. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered, no one paid attention. So this went on for hours. You got 450 of these prophets. They build this altar. They get first choice of the bull. They, they prepare it, put it on there. They're calling on Baal for hours. They're cutting themselves. Blood's coming out. They're doing you know, everything they can to get his attention. Well, then, he, then, then comes along Elijah. So Elijah then said to all the people, now you don't need to do this. Come near to me. And all the people came near to him. Okay, Greg. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been shown, thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. To him the Lord, word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. He said, Israel shall be your name. No, that's not what he said. I'm sorry. That's what God said. Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. So Greg just built the altar, I guess. Okay, and he made a trench about the altar. Okay, good. As would contain two seas of sea. That's a couple gallons of water, I think. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces. Come on, cut, put the wood, cut the, cut the bull. <laughs> no. no, not the prophets. <laughs> cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering of the wood. So pour the water on there. Get a good. Elijah didn't pour it. Oh, he didn't. He had them pour it. Elijah said it. He said it. He didn't tell. Okay, he put. All right, so he told them to put on. Excuse me. (laughs) Okay. Um, Now he missed. And he said, "Do it a second time." And they did it a second time. And he said, "Do it a third time." And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Okay. Now notice Elijah's not going through all this rigmarole. He says, so he goes and says, and at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God of Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Amen. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. So just say all that. Okay, you say all that. <laughs> okay. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones. Yeah, you guys can go sit down. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Very good. Okay. You're going to get to it. <laughs> okay. So, and when all the, okay. So the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. And the dust. I mean, I think it's funny they added that. And they licked in it and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. So, and Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. So, thank you, Bill, for your Bible. Okay. So, I mean, this is one of my favorite stories because it really... I think uh, makes the point that certainly in terms of the God of these people, Baal, uh, there's a distinct difference. You know, was this a fair contest? Yeah. 
One prophet versus 450 prophets. Baal's prophets got to choose which bull to use, and Elijah got the leftover. Baal was, among other things, supposed to be the god who sent down lightning. That was one of his specialties, was sending down lightning. Well, it didn't look like it worked this time. At least it's not, not on request. They were given several hours to call upon Baal. They got to cry out to Baal and cut themselves to get his attention. So they're, doing, they're going through all this. Elijah had to re- rebuild his altar himself. He built it with a trench with water around the with water around it, it had four, uh, four jars of water poured on the wood three times. So it's drenched, soaking wet compared to, you know, the, the one that the Baal prophets had offered. Elijah offered a simple prayer to God and whoosh, God sent fire from heaven. The wood, the water, even the stones of the altar and the dust were all consumed, gone, kaput, nada, no more. So it's gone. Um, and when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I mean, it's, I think if any of us were there and saw that or any, most anybody were there and saw something like this, they would be pretty convinced there's something up here. You know, there's God of Elijah must be real. And I'm not so sure about the God of Baal. So did, did Elijah consider the worship of Baal just as legitimate as the worship of God? I don't think so. You know, and, and, and neither, I think, did most of these people after they saw what happened. So, I mean, this, again, is one of my favorite stories just to show or, or just when I think about when people are, are, are um, saying that, you know, Christianity or the God of Israel is, you know, in the Bible is just as valid or true or, or the other religions are just as valid as true. Uh, this is the one story that comes to my mind. Now, we can also look at the Ten Commandments. I think the first commandment's crystal clear. And Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6.4. He referred to, referred to in Juda, Judaism as the Shema, or maybe Shema. Is it Shema? Shema. Shema. Thank you. Didn't look it up. As the Shema, which means to listen or to hear. Uh, so Jesus quoted this in uh, Mark 12, 28 through 30. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked, them, asked him, which commandment is the most por- important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, some people appear to be hard of hearing. They do not shema very well. <laughs> which God, which, why did God include this Lord is one in the commandment? So why, why is that part of it? You know, we can just say the Lord is God. Well, one of the reasons, I'm sure there are others, I'm not trying to read God's mind per se, but I think because of other, because of other religions, including Egypt, they recognized many gods. So they weren't worshiping a single God. They weren't monotheistic like, uh, like Israel. Judaism stood out in this respect, that the Jews served a single God who created all things. So there's a distinction there. So I'm just saying I think that's, that's probably one reason why he added, not just the Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one. There is one Lord. And just wanted to expand on this because I think this is interesting. The Shema is a central prayer in Jewish prayer book because it's so important, so vital to the uh, Jewish faith. And it's often the first section of scripture that a Jewish child will learn. 
During its recitation in the synagogue, Orthodox Jews pronounce each word very carefully, and they cover their eyes with the right hand. Now, I wasn't sure why they did that. I don't know if anyone knows, but anyway, that's uh, what, what, I, what I was reading. Um, so what I wanted to do was say, let's all do this together. Cover your eyes with your right hand and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. All right, you ready? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Good. I don't know if that makes you feel special or different, but anyway, I'm, I'm sure there must be a reason for that. Um, so Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, along with two other sets of verses, Deuteronomy eleven thirteen through 29 and John three sixteen, make up the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay. Okay. This is a sleep check. You're paying attention. The Shema is Jewish and does not include John 3.16. It's Numbers 15.37-41. So you guys, I was expecting someone to say something when I read that on there. We were all wondering. We weren't afraid to stand with. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So, John 3.16 is not part of the Shema, just to be clear. All right. Okay. So, opposing God, action and reaction. So, just some more verses. So, the earth opened up and swallowed the sons of Korah. That's in number 16 because I think Korah, the, the Korahites or whatever they're called, they were... They were complaining, I think, about uh, uh, why uh, uh, Moses and uh, Aaron had such powers of position and authority. I think special. They, they were special, and anyway, so they they were basically in opposition to the leadership, and and God dealt with them. Pharaoh and the plagues of Egypt. The army was drowned by the Red Sea. Of course, and, you know, got the plague. So again, here you've got the God of Israel doing these miraculous things that no other God has ever done. And and this is, you know, his reaction, how those that oppose him are, are dealt with pretty severely. Jonah fleeing God. Jonah, I wouldn't say was opposing God per se, but certainly opposing what God had told him to do. Of course, he got swallowed by a big fish. Jericho. Of course, the people of Israel surrounded Jericho and blew down the walls. David and Goliath. Goliath was making fun of the God of Israel. He was taunting him. Well, God dealt with Goliath. So there are many battles in the Old Testament in which God gave Israel victory against nations serving other gods. Um, the only time, times I think when there was any defeat or, or, or where that wasn't the case would have been when Israel wasn't following, wasn't choosing to follow God and they, they Ended up being enslaved as punishment. God never lost a battle with any other God. 
because he's the eternal, omnipotent, all-wise, all-seeing God of the universe. And if you want to, we're not going to do it now, but you know, God, read Job 40 through 41. God kind of talks about who he is, how great he is. And, um, you know, and in Job 42, you see his, Job's humble response. He didn't, he didn't recognize any other God. Every indication is that when challenged, God took action, especially against those who worshipped other gods. Okay, one of the last, I think this is the last thing I'll be covering is um, suffering of Jesus. And this is something that maybe a few years ago just dawned on me about if you believe in the crucifixion, how can you possibly believe that there's any other God, any other religion that it's valid? So the suffering of Jesus. Let's assume that someone says they believe the Bible, believe that Jesus died and rose again, but they also think other religions can be just as true in terms of salvation or way to heaven or whatever, whereas many say there's more than one way to heaven. Christians believe that God sent Jesus to suffer and die for our sins. John 19.1 Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. He whipped him. I think many of you, some of you have seen the movie about the passion of christ and and if you haven't you've at least heard teaching about the severity of that punishment and what what jesus went through and then mark fifteen sixteen through 20 and the soldiers led him away inside the palace that's the governor's headquarters and they called together the whole battalion and they clothed him in a purple purple cloak twisting together a that twisting together a crown of thorns they put it on him And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him out to crucify him. And then Matthew 27, 35. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments and bung them by casting lots. So Jesus, as I think we all know, suffered a great deal at the cost of the, our, the sins as punishment for our sins. So God sends his son, his only son, his only begotten son, to suffer humiliation, beatings, whipping, and crucifixion. Of course, there's the resurrection. But if you believe there are other ways to get to heaven then Jesus really did not have to go through all that suffering for us, right? I mean, if there are really other ways, that means what sort of father would put his son through this sort of torture and humiliation when there are other options, right? And don't forget, Jesus actually asked the father if there was another way in the Garden of Gethsemane, and and the answer was no, because he obviously went through this. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, my father... it be possible let this cup pass from me <laughs> nevertheless not as I will but as you will Jesus God wouldn't have asked Jesus to go through that if there was any other way there was no other way Just a few other things. 
How many gods directed Noah to build the ark? There's just one. How many gods sent their son to die for our sins? How many gods were the God of Israel? Just one. The Lord is one. How many gods did Jesus recognize as legitimate? His Father. How many gods did Paul recognize as true gods? Just one. How many times did God speak against idolatry, the worship of other gods in the Old Testament? Many, many times. Is God described as a God who does not care what his people believe and do, or is he described as a jealous God and compare following other gods to adultery? How many ways did Jesus say, there are heart to the Father who is in heaven? Just one. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. How many ways did Jesus say, there are to destruction and, and eternal death? Matthew seven thirteen through 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. That's the other gods, the other religions. And those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So, in conclusion, for a Bible-believing Christian, one who believes in the death and bodily resurrection of Jesus, there can be there cannot be any other way to heaven. There cannot be any other God. In Galatians 1.8, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. I'll skip that one. <laughs> okay, so um, that's really it. I just, uh, again, want to share just the things Lord's actually had on my heart really since um, since that trip to India. And it's just been a thought that's been in the back of my mind off and on over the years as far as because you just hear it and see it uh, fairly often in today's culture. So, thank you. Richard, there's another story in the Old Testament.